Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and co-parents of all ages, this podcast is for you. Introducing in the center ring, the amicable divorce expert, Judith Weigel. The name of the book is Mom, Dad, Can You Hear Me? An Emotional Story of a Child Overcoming Her Parents' Divorce. We have the author as our guest today, Despina Mavrido. She's coming to us from Greece, and I'm so happy that you're here. Thank you, Despina, for joining us. Thank you. I'm also very happy to talk to you today. Oh, this book was wonderful. I absolutely loved it. So to set this up for the audience, you are a child of divorce and you're also a mother of a very young child. Yes, seven month old. (laughs) And you are the principal character in this book, aren't you? Yes, more or less, yes. Uh, The book uh, actually starts with my story. Uh, the end is not exactly what happened in my case. When did you write the book? I wrote it a year ago. And when did your parents file for divorce? Well, almost uh, uh, 30 years ago, more or less. Is it like yesterday? Did the memories come back vividly? Uh, yes, the memories come back, but uh, fortunately the emotions are lighter now and I'm not feeling angry, frustrated anymore. I don't feel sad and desperate anymore. And that's the way you felt 30 years ago and for quite a while, I understand, after reading the book? Yes, yes. It was for a while. It was almost for uh, 10 maybe 20 years, <laughs> it got me to be able to reestablish a balance and start um, creating a life away from uh, my parents' separation and divorce because it was something that actually I was carrying on for a long time. I think that's kind of normal until, until you have an opportunity to process as an adult, and, and speak to this, please, because when parents are getting divorced and you're living in one or both houses, and you're going to explain your situation in a little bit, you're processing one way. And it almost feels like you're processing for survival. And then as an adult, you're processing to make sense of everything as an older person looking back. Could you speak? to what I just said and how close to reality is that for you? Yes, actually as a kid you don't really understand what is going on. You are just trying to, at least in my case, I was trying to please both of my parents. I was trying um, to help them because for example I have seen many times my mom, I had seen many times my mom crying. So I was trying to make her feel better. Uh, I was also doing the mediator many times and I thought that this will be helpful for them. So in a way, I was trying to to help change the situation and the reality, to help to make things better. As an adult, when I understood 
in a position that I was as a kid and the fact that actually I was trying to be the adult when I was 10 and trying to to help my parents, but it, this was not my position, I got really angry because I there was a lot of emotions inside me that I suppressed for many years. So when I grew up and I also, when I started therapy that helped me a lot, I understood how many things that went wrong with myself and how many things I had to elaborate that I was trying to hide for many, many years. What do you mean things that went wrong in yourself and things you tried to hide? Explain that. For example, I never elaborate my sadness. I, when I was young, I was pretending that everything is okay. I'm a strong person. At some point, after my parents took a divorce, because I was in the middle for many, many years, at some point when I was around 17 years old, I decided that I don't want to see my dad anymore. Because I thought at that moment that this was the right thing to do so as not to be in the middle and not to have to transfer things to each other. But when I grew up and I understood, and I was, I tried to convince myself that I'm okay with this. This is my decision. I don't care. I'm fine without my dad. I, I'm, I am a strong person. Were you close to your dad as yes, a child? Yes, I was before? close. Yes, you were very, I was close. very close. And yes. did I hear you say that when you were 17, you distanced yourself from your dad or, or yeah. was it early? Okay. So for most of your life as what we call a minor child, we call a minor child anybody who's not graduated from high school yet. And people are 18 and 19 years old for the most part in the United States when they graduate from high school. Is it the same age in Greece? Yes, in Greece it's the same, 18 years old. So you did actually have contact with your dad, both parents, from the age of 10 when the divorce started to the age of 17. Yes. yes. So you spent seven years as a mediator between your parents, as a messenger between your parents, and in the middle of what I'm guessing was a continuation of a toxic relationship? Yes, it was. It was because actually there was a third person in the life of my dad. And this was something that hurt a lot my mom and she couldn't get over it. So she was feeling really depressed. She was feeling, um, she was feeling very, very sad. So she, she couldn't handle her emotions. And the same also for my dad, because he actually, I think that he was feeling bad for the divorce and all the things that happened. So they actually couldn't actually process the situation in a healthy manner. And what they were doing is that they were using me as a weapon to fight it to each other, to fight between each other and say bad things to each other, accuse each other. And I was in the middle trying to understand what is going on. As you look back now, what do you think was going on when they used you kind of as a pawn, as a reward or revenge uh, if something wasn't working with them? 
I think that they both were feeling very, very sad and uh, very bad with themselves. They were feeling that they failed their marriage. And the fact that they didn't ask for help, it was a problem because they couldn't elaborate their emotions. So they couldn't react in a healthy manner. And they were using their emotions they were trying to use them towards to each other. But, you know, I was in the middle. So <laughs> this was going on me and not to the other person. You know, this is fascinating the way you're describing it. You are describing the emotions that people go through. And I haven't really heard another person that I've spoken with who's a child of divorce really focus on the emotional relationship and the emotions each person was feeling as much as you have just in the beginning of our conversation. And it's always been my position since I've really got a foothold in the family law business, so to speak, environment, that you have to go through what I call the emotional divorce before you file for the legal divorce. Because unless you go through the emotional divorce, meaning some of the things you've just said, what do you do with your emotions? What do you do with the hurt? What do you do with the emotions, at least on your dad's side, that prompted him to seek an outside relationship that then became the downfall of the marriage? You know, so what is your recommendation to people as they're seeing that the marriage isn't working? They have kids, of course. They're seeing that the marriage isn't working and more than likely it should not live on. But what should parents do before they file or as they file? For me, the most important is to ask for help. And I'm not talking about the practical help from a lawyer, which is, okay, this is normal that you will ask for a lawyer. I'm talking about a therapist, a divorce coach, a person that can help you elaborate what is going on uh, with yourself first. To refine and redefine yourself. And after that, you will be able to handle the divorce. And indirectly, you will definitely help your kid. Okay, so this is exactly what I've been talking about in many other topics with many other people. And I'm so happy to hear you say that. Because if you don't go through the emotions before you file, they either never get dealt with or they get dealt with definitely maybe in a, in a negative way as you're going through the filing because you have decisions to make. Yes, and very tough decisions. Divorce is a, it's a, situa- it's a very difficult situation. Nobody can deal with it alone. It is important to ask for help and the, it doesn't mean that you are weak if you ask for help. And I'm saying this most for the fathers, and for men, because actually the society requests for men to be strong. So for them, I know from experience that it's really difficult for them to ask for help. But the problem is, this, is that after that, they cannot handle any situation. And in the end, even if, for example, in my case, it was my dad, that left home in the end he was feeling that he was the bad guy and he felt very guilty and these actually reflect on our relationship 
And many times he was also saying things to me that I understood that he was feeling very, very sad all this period, especially now that we reconnect and he actually read the book. I understood from what he was telling me that he was feeling really sad and alone all these year, if, years, even if he created his own family and went on with his life. But still, he was feeling really hurt because he never elaborated what was going on. And for me, it's very, very important for the fathers not to feel that they are the bad guys. What was, he, what was the, um, the hurt? What was the hurt about? He was feeling hurt because he couldn't see us. He was feeling hurt because I said, for example, to him many bad things. I told him that I don't want to see him anymore. I don't want to... I don't want to talk to him anymore. And uh, he was feeling also hurt because uh, he actually lost a lot of period where he couldn't communicate with me or my sister. Oh, wait a minute. I thought you were an only child. No, 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 no. I have a sister. She's six years younger than me. And the problem was that I was also, because I was the, um, the oldest, I had to protect my sister. So she is not in the picture because actually I was always feeling that I have to protect her. So she was never involved in all this. We were trying to keep her apart. All right. You were 10 years old when the divorce started. So therefore she was six, um, four years old. Is she yes. six years younger? Okay. And it, it, you know, interestingly, kids know even that young that maybe their parents aren't happy, things are going on. Um, and certainly if there was a lot of yelling in the house, was there a lot of arguments in the house? Yes, there was, but she was really young. So she doesn't have memories from that period. And I she see. also doesn't have memories from my dad because he left home very early. So right. she actually feels uh, sad because she doesn't have memories and she doesn't know him. This is the opposite for me because I had a lot of memories and a lot of nice discussions and we played a lot. So for me, it was a completely different situation. But wait a minute. So if you had contact with your dad until age 17, did she not have the same contact? She had, but not for a long time. We always uh, saw him for a little time, for a weekend or for a day during the week. And it was always for a short period. And uh, she couldn't create a relationship because, you know, when the divorce started, we were in a battle. We were feeling that we are in a battle. So every time that we had to go to see my dad, we were feeling nervous because we, after... Uh, the meeting, we knew that we had to describe everything to my mom, explain to her what we did, and uh, we had to feel that he's the bad guy. It, it's In a little order strange. to make your mother happy. Yes, yes, exactly. This uh, okay, so yeah. can we sit on this point for a second? Because this is one of the biggest issues that we deal with anybody in family law in the United States, uh, and, and that is having to give a recounting to each parent or to one of the parents about what happened, what you did with the other parent. Mm -hmm. And 
isn't it the most uncomfortable situation you can possibly be in? Because it strips you of your personal life. You don't get to have a personal life. Yes. And it also makes you feel bad. I mean, I was, uh, I, I was feeling that I don't have the right to have good feelings for my dad because he was the bad guy. And all the time I had to explain what I said to him, why I said that, and I didn't say something else, that uh, it was better for my mom. And uh, it was a really strange and stressful situation. I know that in the book there's a point where you went from explaining uh, what it was like with the other parent to shutting down completely, or no, do I remember this correctly, that you eventually said, it's not my responsibility to explain to you what I did with my dad. Is there something like, could you say? Yes, there is something like that there, because actually mom asks from the girl from Irene uh, to ask her dad for money. So Irene says something like that, because actually, yes, this was from my personal experience. Yes. And what my dilemma is when I'm listening to parents talk, first of all, I have cats, not kids. I made a very conscious decision early on that I did not want to be a mother because I recognized how ultimately consuming being a parent was. And this was going to be a completely different life. You, you are living your life to a large extent for your children for a while because you have to take care of them. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, boy, you really have to want to do that in order to become a really good parent. So what is your philosophy of parenthood? How should people approach being a parent? For me, everything returns to yourself. I mean, uh, I I am working with myself many years now, and I think that I will never stop once I start it because everything returns to you. Even when you have a kid, you need to make them understand that uh, I need to love my fr- myself first. And after that, I have to love my kid. Even though I think that this sounds a little bit strange, but if I don't love myself and I don't feel full with myself and my emotions, I am not able to give. And to give without uh, make the, the kid feel guilty about it. Because there are many times that parents say that I did everything for you. Because they are feeling that they have regrets, they didn't do the things that they wanted to do. So I think that everything returns to ourselves. If we are okay with ourselves and we feel that, yes, we did everything for us first, then we can create adults that are uh, whole. You know, as a, they are not, co- they are people that can give to the society and then they can be also, they can understand themselves first and they can offer to other persons. If we are not doing this, we are creating adults that they have problems as we did, as we had as adults and they cannot uh, provide to the society. 
I don't know if it was a little bit confusing what I'm saying. I can no, no, it, it, it wasn't confusing at all. I, I was just thinking, and I'm going to do devil's advocate on this one. Um, I was thinking of my sister. She wanted to have children right out of college, and she did. She wanted to be a young mom. She unfortunately chose a husband that everybody but her knew was not going to work out for her. But she chose him anyway, and, and that's for her to say why. They did eventually get divorced. It was a very difficult divorce. I think she still harbors resentment. But with your parents, though, what was their upbringing like? Did they have harmonious family environments? Or did they come from divorce? Did they come from rocky relationships with their parents? They, no, their parents didn't uh, go to divorce, but it was difficult in Greece 20 years or 50 or 60 years ago to get a divorce. Right. So, no, they had families, both of them, and my grandparents never got a divorce, but they never learned how to communicate. Right. And how to actively listen to the other person and how to put themselves first. They didn't know how to do that. Do you kind of think your <laughs> one set of grandparents should have been divorced? Could you tell that your grandparents were happy or unhappy? Were you able to I tell? believe that they are unhappy. Yeah. Yeah, I know you have a culture that does it. It's not as easy. Well, maybe then it wasn't as easy as maybe it is now mm. to get divorced. And then, you know, when you have a culture that's driven by religion and the European cultures are driven by religion, are they not? Yes, a lot. And we're not so much so in this country. And, and so divorce then, along with some other topics, becomes, become very difficult topics. Okay. Nonetheless, your parents got married. Why do you think, this is going to be a tough question. Why do you think your dad had an outside relationship? Well, f- from what he said, uh, my mom was making a lot of money. And she was more concentrated to her career instead of her family and time, not for, for her, instead of her family, instead of him. She was spending time to work. And after that, she was taking care of, of us, of us as kids. So they didn't have time alone. Oh. Uh, from, from my perspective, I think that the fact that she was making a lot more, a lot more money, it was an issue. Yes. And the fact that they actually living near to my grandparents, it was an issue also. Oh, that's interesting because again, in European Mediterranean cultures, the families kind of grow but still live together, right? Yes. yes. And sometimes that separation is necessary. Do you think it was... If your parents had gotten therapy and at least addressed their emotions before they filed for divorce, do you think it would have been easier on you during the divorce? And what would it may have looked like that would be different? The communication. 
this was the key for me, the fact that they would have communicated alone and I, I wouldn't be in the middle because it was not my position to know who spends more money for me. It was not my, I didn't want to know who spends more money for me. I didn't want to know that my dad had a third person and he abandoned his marriage because, you know, the reality was that they already had a problem. It created space in the marriage for a third person to come in. And after that, yes, the the marriage uh, failed. But this was not for me. uh, It was not my position to understand all this when I was 10. And I didn't want to know, for example, that my dad was the bad guy. This was my, my mom's perspective. So I think that the communication would be completely different if they would have elaborated their emotions and their feelings and how to communicate with the kids. I I just, that's so well said because in society, in life, we are not taught how to communicate. Just in general, when we're in emotional situations, high conflict situations, whether it's with a friend, a neighbor, employers, employees, in any situation, and then certainly in interpersonal relationships or intimate relationships, we're really not taught how to communicate well under stress. Yes. So because first we need to listen. We, we are not capable of to listen, to actively listen the other person. That's why we can communicate, I think. Because when we hear the other person talking, we are already thinking what to answer. You sound like a mediator. That, that's what we yes. learn in mediation <laughs> classes. We learn that everybody has to do active listening. You yes. can't say you, you, you. You can only speak from your own emotions. You have to say I. And that is so true that when we're in a conflict with somebody and one person is speaking, we're already defensive. We're already yes. putting up the wall. We're already thinking, well, no, you're wrong. No, let me just talk right now. I can show you how you're wrong before they even get their whole thought out. And if you allow somebody to get their whole thought out, oh, the message may be very different than what you thought the message was going to be. Is that what you mean too? Yes. Also, when you hear, for example, in the mediation table that the parents say, oh, the kids don't want to see you. I know that they don't want to see you anymore because blah, blah, blah. And I know that moment that the kids probably never said that or even if they said that, they didn't really mean it. Or they said a completely different thing to the other parent because they are in a very difficult situation and nobody really hears them. Ah, ergo the title, Mom, Dad, Can You Hear Me? Because they can't. This is the, this is my point. (laughs) What, what are some of the essential things that you feel parents are missing in terms of what their children are trying to communicate to them? 
I think very simple things, uh, like the fact that they don't want to hear them accuse each other. They don't want to know about money, anything. They don't want to know if, for example, the present that the father or the mother get to them was expensive or not expensive. They don't want to hear them fighting on the phone or uh, to have uh, different rules in both houses. For example, to say mom says one thing and dad says a completely different thing. This doesn't really make kids feel good. It makes it confuse them most of the times. Oh, this is an excellent point that you just raised because this comes up in mediations a lot. And that is when you're putting together the co-parenting schedule, when we're trying to help people, you know, organize what's right for everybody, parents and child alike. Um, first of all, nobody understands what bouncing around feels like, right? So the schedule that people start uh, developing works for the parents in terms of their work schedules, but how does it really work for the children in terms of their life schedule? And it's the children that are going back and forth. But when you had your schedule, did you do overnights with your dad? Sometimes, yes. Yes. Not very often, but uh, yes, we had some overnights. Okay. And the parenting styles, you talked about there would be two sets of rules, so to speak, two sets of parenting styles, two sets of expectations in terms of the schedule. You come home from school, you have homework, then you have dinner, TV at night, when do you go to bed? Um, You know, what's the grooming schedule like in the morning? Let's talk about, because this is a very difficult issue and a very sensitive one when parents start saying what they want to have established in both homes as a, uh, as a set of rules. How realistic is that, Despina, for both parents who aren't getting along to have to agree on the same rules? Talk about that a minute. From my point of view, it's very, very difficult. And for this reason, they need to find a way to communicate to each other. Because otherwise, it creates a lot of problems. For example, there will be the dad that will say, okay, I will leave you to watch this movie tonight. So as to be the nice guy. And this, on the other hand, will create problems for the kids because on one hand, he will feel that, yes, my dad is a good guy and he leaves me to see this movie. On the other hand, probably he will feel guilty that he's lying to his mom. So this will create a confusion in the mind of the kid and he will also don't know what it's better for him, to watch the movie or to go to bed. And of course, the next day, it will be difficult to get up. Of course, each age is completely different. I'm talking about kids that have to go to school. They are small. They are uh, 10, 11. Right, still very much under their parents' control, not so much like teenagers who start making their own decisions. Is it, in a home, and you're married, so you can speak to this as a married person, in a home where everybody's living together, I just remember from me growing up, my parents were kind of on the same page, you know, in terms of 
uh, uh, dietary stuff, activities, TV. But parents also have slightly different ideas too. So looking back and as a parent now, how, how realistic is it for both parents to establish a schedule, a routine, parenting styles that are very much in line with each other? We are returning to the communication. Also in the same house, they need to communicate and establish the same values because otherwise the kids take completely opposite messages. And this makes him confuse. It confuses the kids very, very much. If one parent says, go to bed, and the other said, you can watch the movie, it's, it's the same if the parents are divorced or not. It's exactly the same. The result is the same. You know, that's really true. So how old is your daughter? It's seven months old. Okay, so she's not turning the television on yet, <laughs> <No>. apparently. <laughs> how have you and your husband talked about things, parenting style things coming up when you when she does become a talking of two years old one year one years old and for for now what what was important for me to discuss with my husband was the fact that it is important to ask for help for the parenting issues and to to make a, also to take some lessons as parents to make some uh, parenting sessions and he agreed on that and this was the most important for me because I think this is the base of course it will not everything be idealistic perfect sorry right. <laughs> not everything will be perfect but uh, I think that if the base is good and we agree that we will discuss and we will ask for help if the things will not go well or we will take some lessons to understand certain things and how we need to communicate to the kid according to to her age, I think it's a good base to start. Did your husband come from a divorced home? What was his home life like? No, he's not coming from a divorced home, but he has worked with himself a little bit, not as much as I did, but he has worked and uh, he understands how important it is to to work with yourself and to, you know, to, to, to leave away in the past certain paradigms that we have from our families and create something new. I want to go back to your decision to not see your dad anymore when you became 17, what was it like coming to that decision? What did you go through? Well, it was, uh, at that moment, I thought that it was an easy, it was the, the easy way to not to be the mediator anymore, not to have to transfer, to, to make the messenger anymore. Because, you know, I was not a good messenger and not a good mediator. <laughs> what child is? <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not the role. Yes. But I was feeling the burden because, you know, I always, I, I was a child that didn't want to express herself very much because I didn't want to disappoint anyone. And uh, I wanted to be the good girl for my mom, especially, because I needed her approval. 
So most of the times I did it, but I will, I love, I love my, my dad also at the same time. And I wasn't feeling so much hate for him because the fact that he abandoned his marriage for a third person, it was not a problem for me. So I couldn't hate him as my mom was asking me to hate him. Okay, a couple things. Why wasn't it a problem for you? Why were you very accepting of the fact that he because took a third person? It was not. It was not something that I could really understand. I only ah. wanted my dad. I. It was not a problem. The third. Uh, the third party. I didn't even know the woman. Is he still with her? By the way. Yes. Yes. They are still there together. And you know her now. No, I still never met her because it's like the red flag. Hold on, you've never met her yet? No, no, I have (gasps) never met her. Then how do you, when when you're with your dad, when you see your dad, he's not in his house, you you go somewhere else? Firstly, we are not in the same city, so we have never met in person. And he's uh, calling me or I'm calling him probably when he sees not there. But uh, now I don't have a problem to meet her. But still, a part of of me feels guilty if uh, I create a friendly relationship with her, for example. Still? And your mom's still living? Yes, yes. Does she still hate your father? Yes, I does she think. still talk? <laughs> does she still talk about it? Yes. <gasps> Real. She's in a lot of pain. Yes, still. still. She has. She has a new relationship many years now. Oh well, this is good, but it didn't wipe away the pain. No, has I believe that she still. I mean, I'm not. Uh, I'm. I, this is my opinion, okay? I'm, I'm not sure. But I believe that she never got over uh, the divorce and my dad and everything. It was her first love. Yes. And first love is difficult to... Has she ever sought therapy? No. Ah, okay. So we go back to what you've been saying, that in seeking help, seeking therapy is invaluable to mm-hmm. sort out the emotions. I want to also go back to Despina, uh, something you said a minute ago, and that is you wanted your mother's approval. Therefore, you thought that the best way to get it at that time when you were 17 is to pretty much dismiss your dad. So that in and of itself, I guess, would get your mother's approval. And I stop thought that the, yes, stop the I, mediation. I thought You're, that yes, this was my second um, the, the second thing that I wanted to achieve to have her approval. It was strange though that when I decided and I announced her that I don't want to see my dad anymore, she said that this is wrong and I have to see him and uh, this is not okay. But I stood for my opinion and I said, okay, no, I I don't want to see him anymore. And this confused me a lot, to be honest, because on one hand, she was trying indirectly. And that's why I'm saying that it needs to go to therapy and to understand yourself. Because also my mom was giving me two opposite messages and I believe that she couldn't understand it. 
On one hand, she was hating my dad and she also she couldn't uh, hide it. So she was trying also to make me hate him. And on the other hand, because she wanted to be the good and correct mom, she was telling me, no, you have to see your dad. So this was completely opposite messages for me and I couldn't handle them. And I bet you were extremely shocked. I was when I realized what was going on. But at that age, I was just confused. And I was like, but why? Why is she telling me this now? If all these years she's telling me that I have to... not, She wasn't telling me to hate him. Indirectly, though, she was telling me that he's the bad guy. So I was thinking that, but why? It's not okay not to see him. He's the bad guy. And he has to pay for what he did. So... Why this is not okay? Wow, this is actually an interesting twist. Why did you feel you needed your mother's approval? Didn't you already know you had it? Or approval in what way? Approval in how you were behaving as a child of divorce? Or approval for who you were as an individual? The second, I believe that most of the kids are need, need their parents' approval. And this is the reason why I believe that the kids many times sacrifice more for their parents instead of the opposite. Because usually the parents says, say that they do everything for their kids. And this is true. I, I'm not saying that it's not true. But I think that also the kids are trying to do everything for their parents. Because I know many, many kids that are now 30, 20, 40, that still need and asking indirectly their parents' approval. And they don't have it. You know what? I think you're right, Despina. My mom passed in June of 2020. She was 97. I still was surprised at times when she gave me a compliment. Now. The family's very close. I had a difficult mother-daughter relationship for years. It was good, then it wasn't good, then it was good, then we worked on it. And so anyway, it ended up being the best it could possibly be. But when you say that, I started thinking back, well, I guess even as adults, when we grow up and we have our own jobs and businesses and we're self-supporting, and of course, those of us who grow up, get married and have children, I guess you always are either actively seeking your parents' approval or tacitly enjoying your parents' approval. Yes. Because they're the ones that created you. Yes. And this is why I'm saying, I told you before that I will continue working with myself because most of the times as parents, we are passing certain messages to our kids with which are our insecurities. Right. And they became their insecurities. For example, I don't want to say to my daughter, oh, don't do that because you will not be able to do it because I will be afraid. And this is something that we, we do to our kids and it's easy to do it. You know, you're right. It is because... I flashed back to my mother's insecurities. She, she was a gifted woman, very artistic, lots of skills and talents, 
that she never recognized or that she wouldn't allow a compliment. Therefore, when she was talking to me and my sister, her vision for our future was small Mm -hmm. because she didn't allow herself to pursue her skills and talents. She was a fabulous cook. She was a great artist. She was a milliner. She made hats. She sewed extremely well. But when you complimented her about this, she couldn't accept the compliment. And so I remember thinking, well, I know we have to make our own decisions, you know, as we grow up in terms of our life choices. I know that. But I also listen to other parents who are aware of their own skills and talents, pursue their skills and talents, become a whole person, as you described earlier in in our discussion, and can open the world up to their children. Mm -hmm. Limitless choices. You can do anything you want. Not every parent talks like that. Exactly. So that's what you're saying. I wanted to address parental alienation a minute. The way I understand and have been taught parental alienation as a professional working in the divorce business is that it eventually leads to not seeing one of the parents. And it eventually leads to not seeing one of the parents because the parent who you then continue to see represents the other parent in a very pejorative, a very negative way. Therefore, eventually, you don't want to see that parent because there's no value, as you've been told, to being with that parent. And so parental, and I want you to comment on this, is parental alienation one of two things, either seeing the other parent while your opinion is being continuously crafted as a negative, that person is a negative human being until you eventually say, okay, what's the point? And or parental alienation starts at the get-go. No, I don't want you to see the child. I want you to have minimal exposure and somehow gets their way with the court minimal exposure? I think it's both because when you're not, one of the parents doesn't leave the possibility to the other parent to create a relationship, a healthy relationship with the kid, with the other kid, and a healthy and free relationship, then it's parental alienation because even if you are leaving the kid to go to, to, the fa- to the father or the mother and when he comes back, you are start saying bad things for the dad or the mom, it still is parental alienation because you indirectly, you actually make your kid feel that the other parent doesn't have value, as you said. So it's even if I see him, I don't respect him, I, I'm making a favor to him to go and see him. So actually, it loses uh, the parent lose his strength he, and his value. So it's uh, it, it, you cannot create a healthy relationship with them. the kid cannot create a healthy relationship with the other parent. So for me, both are parental alienation. I've 
I started thinking after some years in, in, in the divorce environment that the phrase children of divorce is not exact enough. And your book and what you're saying makes me think that my other way of looking at it may be more the way, and that's children in divorce. Children are literally part of the divorce experience. They're not of it. Of it makes it, when you say of, it it almost makes, it sounds like the divorce is in one place and the kids are in another place, but that's not the way it is either. The children are living through whatever, whatever type of divorce you're creating for yourselves, parents, you are creating that for your children as well. Exactly. And the, the point is that the kids cannot leave home. <laughs> so, you know, they, they can't close the door and leave home. They need to be there or with mom or with dad. So it's important for him to be able to feel secure and be able to express themselves and say exactly what they want to both of the parents. Did you try doing that? Did you try asking at least your mother not to speak negatively of your father? No. What was that like? No, no, no. I never asked anything from both of them. And this is also a reason why at the beginning I wrote the book, because actually it was some things that I wanted to tell them and I never had the courage to do it. And it sounds like that. It, it literally sounds like that. The book is kind of your diary of what you went yes. through. Um, you did tell me that there is a companion diary that you have with the book. Yes. For yes, children. Well, but wait a minute. Who's going to buy the book? Aren't the parents going to buy the book? The book, for, uh, from my point of view, is for both. It's for parents and for uh, children. Uh, the parents will be able to understand uh, how the kids feel about the divorce. They can actually see the divorce through the eyes of a kid because it's exactly my experience, especially the beginning. I wanted to give a happy ending just because I want the book to have a positive and not a negative effect. Uh, for the kids, I think that they will be important to read it and they can understand that it is able to communicate to their parents what they need from them. Of course, I, from the reviews and from people that they read it, I had parents that told me that, oh, this is uh, too hard for my kids. But I know in my heart because what I was writing, it was exactly how I was feeling when I was 10, that these are things that the kids can understand. However, I know that I will never convince a parent to give this book to his kids if he or she feels that it's hard uh, for the kids. They will decide. So, you know what I was thinking if the if it's for both parents and children, and a ten year old can absolutely read this, it's it's um, the word isn't animated. It is a um, say what say what the word is that I can't get out of my head. It, it's a pictorial 
representation. It's a children's <laughs> book. It looks like a children's book yes. with um, all the graphics. And if a diary comes with it, could the parents use the diary for their own expression of feelings on a daily basis? They could. <laughs> they could. It would be helpful for them, I think. Because I think parents need an outlet as well. Literally, your friends don't want to hear you every single day. At some point, you have to be over telling your family and friends about how you're feeling. But yes. your feelings go on as long as you know, you're still co-parenting. And then for the children, absolutely, it's an opportunity to say what you can't say to your parents. Exactly. The diary was something that helped me. And that's why I created with the book, also the diary where they can write down their thoughts. Okay, this is a tough one. Do you think your parents should have had kids? Uh, <laughs> yes, it's a tough one. <laughs> Did you ever think about that? No, I have never thought about that. But I think that, um, yes, why not? I mean, in the end, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> what the heck? Why not? Either that or pets. Um, I think that the universe gives you what you can handle, so it's okay. <laughs> I, I believe that too. Did your father have children with his? Yes, wife? yes. He, how, yes. how many stepbrothers? One. Have you? you have one. One. One oh, boy. A boy. He's twenty. Twenty now. Yeah. Do you communicate with him? Actually, not yet. I want to, but I ha I didn't have the opportunity because due to COVID, because actually we started to communicate with my dad a little bit before the COVID, COVID started. So I still didn't have the opportunity to go to, to the city where he lives. And it's something that it makes me a little bit nervous. I want to do it. But still, I have this guilt for my mom. I, I, never, I, I think that I will never get rid of this. <laughs> okay, so can I practice being the unofficial therapist here for a minute? Yes. <laughs> you got to get over the guilt. First yes. of all, it was their choice to have children. And I believe they tried their best. Yes. You know, the best, our best looks different. Each person's best looks a little bit different. But they tried their best. It is what it is. You made this amazing uh, journey from a child of divorce to now being a parent yourself and writing this really interesting, heartfelt, wonderful book. It's easy to read and it's extremely thought-provoking. But you don't have that responsibility to your mother at all. Yes, I know. I, I know it with my in my mind. I know yes. it. I, I just don't feel it in my heart yet. <laughs> what do you think would happen? Would your mother still get upset? I guess maybe she would if she knew you were communicating with your um, half brother. Is that how do you describe it in Greece? Step brother, half brother, step brother, step brother. Okay, same thing. You think uh, your mother would get mad? I I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. But it's still, you know, it's um, it's this child in me that comes with the memories. <laughs> no, and the emotions. 
you are, you just said it. You're the perfect example of our memories don't leave us. They can be reshaped and redefined as we learn more and get older about the experiences upon which we have these memories. And emotions play havoc with our head and our heart. You know, emotions have a logic unto themselves, and it's not real logical. You know, the, 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 the logic of emotions isn't very logical. But what a shame not to know your, your stepbrother, because who knows? I mean, he could exactly. bring into your life energy, love. Exactly, yes. Yes, yeah. I, and I want that. And I also, I think that I like blended families and I like, uh, I would like to have more people in my life. I mean, if all the people, that's why I think that if the parents can communicate, how happy the kids will be if they have more people in their lives. Right, because I kind of think from talking to so many people who have uh, been children of divorce, Um, the A number one thing everybody says, and you're saying it too, we worried about if the house had to get sold and we were living in new houses or going back and forth between houses. What if we forgot our homework or something we needed for school the next day? Uh, What if we had to move and we lost touch with our friends? But everybody says at the end of the day, the thing that really mattered was that their parents got along. They could accept the divorce as yeah. long as their parents got along. And that's what you're saying too. It's the easiest thing in the world. It's only one thing. And it's the hardest thing in the world. And then let's, so let's go to our takeaways. Now that we're ending our hour, ending our time, Um, And fill in the blanks if I haven't gotten it right, but the takeaways are from you, communication, communication, communication. Yes. There are three takeaways. (laughs) Communication. And ask for help. And ask for help. Uh, Go to therapy, ask for help, because you need it. It's a devastating experience. Because it's hopes and dreams dashed. Maybe you're the first divorce in your family. Maybe this upsets the whole cultural and religious family dynamic. It can be embarrassing if the marriage didn't work out. I mean, you can blame all day your spouse, but inwardly you can really be saying, you know, um, why wasn't I enough? It's in the end, this is it, I think, because when you blame, you feel bad uh, inside you for something. It's not that you blame the other, but I think that deep down you blame yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And when you go to therapy, I think that it helps you redefine yourself again and you're reborn. I mean, it's a positive thing. It's not bad to go to therapy because you learn for yourself more things. And maybe you realize in the end that what you did since that time, it was something that you didn't want in the end. Or it was okay for that time, but now you're a new person and you're creating something new. If you know, the most important thing for me, from what I understand from therapy, is to understand yourself, your needs, your wants, and your feelings. Yes. 
this is the most important. And if you know these things, you know who you are. And then you are not you you don't have to be afraid of anything because you have the courage to to do everything you want. And, and to speak and to speak your mind, to be able to say to somebody, you know, I just I just don't want that. Yes. That just doesn't please me. Nothing wrong with it. Just, you know, that's not right for me. Very interestingly, when people start saying that in a very nice way, the other person understands generally. Yes. And accepts generally. To have the courage takes courage to say how you feel. A lot of cards. But when you are talking about your feelings, nobody can say something because it's how you feel. Nobody can make an argument about the feelings. (laughs) If you say that you feel sad, what I can say to you, that you don't feel sad, you feel sad. And if somebody even says, what are you feeling sad for? You have nothing to feel sad about. You have this great life, this, that, and the other thing. Maybe that's not the right person for you to be communicating with. And just, but I feel sad and that's my feeling and that's the way it is. Yes, exactly. I love your book, Despina. I really am so happy that you contacted me and sent me this book. I, I just really appreciate it and I will use it. I will share this with people, with um, all of my mediation clients, because I know that when they come to me for mediation, they, they're trying. They wouldn't be in mediation if they didn't want a good outcome. So I applaud them. At the very beginning, I acknowledge this is a very hard place to be. And I applaud you for taking that step to try and work this out in this context. And I will definitely share this book with them because as I listen to parents talk about what's right for their children, and I know what they want. Okay, maybe you don't. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Maybe it's a little mix of both. I think this would be, I think this is an excellent book just for people in the throes of the divorce to really have the voice of a child speaking to them in a very easy to understand way. Yeah, thank you. This, this was the goal, and I hope that uh, I will raise awareness about the kids' perspective. And, and, and there can't be enough of that out there. There just can't be mm. enough of that. But this is done in such a beautiful way that you, you can. I could. I could put myself in your position. So information about you will be in the show notes. But just for people listening, what's the easiest, best way for them to get in touch with you, given that you are in Greece and how many hours in advance of us in the United States are you? I think we said 10. When we calculated, it was 10, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So if it's, we're recording this if it's noon, so it's 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. your time. Yes. Okay. Um, so email, um, is it email? Is that your best way? Email, Facebook also. I read oh. the messages. I, they can find me under the name also, Despina Mavridu. Okay. Despina Mavridu. Thank you. I, I, I practice. I practice so I don't <laughs> No, you, you said it correctly. <laughs> Mavridu. I was a copycat. 
Thank you so much. I, I cannot Thank tell you. you how I have appreciated uh, knowing you and, and talking with you, listening to you. And uh, thank you for the courage to write that book. For me too. Thank you. It was a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you. And thank everybody listening to this podcast. I I hope you got real value from it. And the, the name of the book again, Mom, Dad, Can You Hear Me? I guess you can buy it on Amazon, right? Yes, it's on all Amazon stores. Yeah, absolutely. So thank you again. Please share this episode with anybody that you feel needs it. You can reach me and discuss any topics that you would like me to cover that I haven't already through my email address, judith at theamicabledivorceexpert.com. Judith at theamicabledivorceexpert.com. And as always, have an amicable day. That's our show for today. Thank you for joining us. Be good to yourselves, be kind to your spouse, and cherish your children above all else.